0: Please rise. The scripture reading today is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Praise be to God.
1: Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. It's been a, such an enriching experience to uh, worship you, to fellowship with each other. And we pray you'd also bless your word that uh, you would open our hearts and minds to receive it. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 1 verse 17 says... There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. So, from the time of Abraham, the righteous were waiting for the plan of salvation to be fully revealed and realized. They got a preview of it in their sacrificial system. Salvation had something to do with a sacrifice. A lamb without any flaws was an acceptable substitute to pay the death penalty for the sinner. But of course, that was only a temporary provision. No one knew what the permanent solution would look like. Not Abraham, not David, or all those who lived in the Old Testament era. 2,000 years of suspense. What was God up to? And why did it take so long? God, why do you keep us waiting? Well, that's only part of the story. Because we also keep God waiting. He was waiting from the time of Abraham to the days of King David, up until the exile and beyond. God was also waiting for the opportunity to reveal the full extent of his love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This was the full extent of God's love, not just a sample. But why did it take so long? Well, the most obvious answer is sin. Sin creates such a toxic environment that it consistently prevented God from manifesting his amazing grace in a fallen world. For example, 1 Peter 3, verse 20 says, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved. The sin that started in Paradise Lost quickly morphed and mutated and metastasized Until the terminal generation described in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. Where it says the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Sounds like uh, some of the sitcoms we have on TV these days. Every inclination only evil all the time. That definitely would not have been a good time for Advent. It just wasn't safe. Now God preferred to offer mercy to Noah's generation. But it was too late. They had hardened their hearts against him. Until the human race was on the verge of moral extinction. Only one family was still susceptible to God's influence. So the creator who desired to demonstrate grace. Was forced to execute judgment instead. It was time to reboot the human race. Maybe after the flood, things would be different. But God had to wait. Wait while the worst handyman east of Eden built a boat. A huge boat. The first cruise ship, large enough to accommodate the DNA trust fund of Animal Planet. God had to wait while everywhere, blasphemy and abominations multiplied. And if God was like us, he would have got impatient. What's that, Noah? What do you mean you can't come to work today? You got a splinter, and it's infected? You hit your thumb again? Come on, man. Just beyond the floodwaters, there was a a new beginning somewhere over the rainbow. There would be new mercies every morning, but it would have to wait. Well, Noah's sore thumb healed. God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Waited 120 years. Like most construction projects, it was way behind schedule and well over budget. But it worked. Noah built a ship that survived the worst weather in human history. To put it into perspective, someone said, professionals built the Titanic. Amateurs built the ark. It was the greatest success story in the annals of maritime transportation. And then the waters receded. Maybe now it would be different. For God so loved this new world. But by the time of Abraham, sin was once again overflowing. And all the tributaries of concentrated evil drained down into places like Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, God, God would have preferred to offer forgiveness to that decadent culture. Just the way he did to Nineveh, which was the sin city of its day. But the situation in Sodom was hopeless. They preferred darkness until Sodom became a black hole of evil. So when God told Abraham that judgment day was at hand... The patriarch pleaded for a stay of execution. What what if there's a small remnant of righteous people in Sodom? There's got to be at least 50. Or or how about 40? Who will give me 30? What if there's 10? Well, as it turned out, there were only four people in all of Sodom that were even receptive to God's plan of salvation. Actually, make that three. Because all the rest perished. Perished. I'd like to interrupt this message to encourage you today. Can you handle it? Are you up for it? I'll do it anyway. Do you have a family member in Sodom? Never stop praying for them. Abraham interceded for his nephew Lot, and God sent in a search and rescue team to get his family out. For God so loved the world. And that included the city of Jericho, the enemy stronghold at the entrance of the promised land. Jericho was so corrupt, it would make the walking dead look like the sound of music. But even in Jericho, God's love was searching for someone to save. You know, we don't have to worry that God is going to miss someone. If there's anyone ready to respond, God is going to find them. It says a lot about Jericho that the only one interested in salvation was Rahab. And she was not the leader of the ladies' Bible study. She wasn't the uh, director of the chamber of commerce. The only one in Jericho open to the idea of salvation was a prostitute. And God did not overlook her. And afterwards, they didn't just uh, say to Rahab, didn't just shake her hand and send her on her way and say, good luck. They didn't put her on the fringes and tell her, we're watching you, better clean up your act. Rahab's life was not only spared, this pagan sinner was grafted into the royal family tree. She became an ancestor of the king of kings. She was brought into the heart of the greatest love story of all time. I think you call that uh, amazing grace. That same love was available to all in Jericho. But only Rahab was open to receive it. So what you have in the Old Testament is you have this spread of malignant evil. Being constantly interrupted by salvation. Offered freely for those who were willing to respond. I think one of the most amazing testimonies found in that era is Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever. In every verse, that phrase is repeated, his love endures forever. Now this psalm is not a nursery rhyme about fluffy lambs and green pastures. This is actually a chronicle from a blood-soaked battlefield Because it goes on to say, To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. Who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. It never says that God's love was discontinued or out of stock or temporarily interrupted or canceled due to low ratings. In the midst of pestilence and plagues in the face of defiance and depravity in spite of irreverence and inhumanity, God's love endured. He never took his offer of love off the table. At each judgment, at each retribution, his love endured forever. And I think that's what we can read between the lines in every history book in our library. It's there in the Old Testament, in every chapter, every verse. It may be somewhat hidden, partially obscured, but it's there. And it's always waiting. God could have easily given up and said, it's no use, this is never going to work. But his love endured. Forever. How often God longed to reach out to the guilty with grace. But they were not willing. Jesus articulated the agony of that rejection in Matthew chapter 23 verse 37. When he said, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I have longed to punish you. How I have longed to pour out my wrath not what he said he should have said that but Jesus said how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing they were not willing so God had to wait 14 generations from Abraham to David 14 more from David to the exile and another 14 from the exile." Until it was finally time for God to reveal the full extent of his love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How amazing is it that when God made a personal appearance on this rebellious planet. It was not for judgment day. He hadn't come for vengeance. He came unarmed. He was unable to defend himself. He was helpless as a newborn infant. Not very intimidating. No one could interpret that as a threat. The love that was available throughout the entire Old Testament was now fully revealed. And this was not just the beta version. This was the full unabridged program of divine grace. The word had become flesh and lived for a while among us, and we saw the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here he was, Emmanuel, God with us. No more waiting. But why now? Was this a better time and place? Scholars have suggested that the world was well designed for the spread of the gospel in those days. The Roman Empire was kind of like the internet of its day, connected all these different cultures. So travel was easier, ideas could spread faster. But was this really a kinder, gentler world? Were they more receptive? Was this a better time for a child to be born? Bethlehem was a nice neighborhood, all is calm. All is bright. Maybe they had the lowest crime rate in Judea. No violent incidents. Would he be safe now? Well, not really. In fact, God entered our world not in a safe house, but in, in an unhygienic stable filled with the kind of bacteria that could easily harm a newborn. This was Bethlehem. It was located close to the heart of enemy territory. Jesus was born in the jurisdiction of a raving psychopath named Herod. If you were to compile the names of the most dangerous and deluded people in history, Herod would make your short list. And he was the one who would soon put the baby on top of his hit list because Herod despised grace. He wanted nothing to do with salvation. He tried to stop the whole thing before it got started. But he failed. When Herod sent his stormtroopers into Bethlehem to slaughter the male babies, Mary and Joseph had already escaped. So Herod failed. But it would be the chief priests of the Sanhedrin who would eventually take care of this unfinished business some 30 years later. You see, this is the verdict, John 3, 19. Light has come into this world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You see, wherever there is sin, God is not safe. That's why we can't invite Jesus into our hearts until we're willing to repent of our sin. And receive forgiveness. That's why we have to keep confessing our sins. So that he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because God is not safe wherever there is sin. This universe isn't big enough for God and a sinner like me. And neither is my heart. So one of us has to die. Or better yet, both of us have to die. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, despised and rejected, was crucified on Calvary. And now it's our turn. Romans 6.11 says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Christ's death provided fully for our salvation, but it's our death that completes the transaction We have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. We have to die to sin and become alive to God in Christ. That's when we can finally begin to understand this love that God has for us. Because sin refracts and distorts God's love until we become afraid of him. It's salvation that restores the focus so that we realize there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It was a long journey for Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But even longer from, for God, 14 generations from Abraham to David. Another 14 from David to the exile. And then another 14 from the exile to Christ. In all that time, God desired to demonstrate his love. But so often, sin prevented it. And we know what that's like. There may be a family member that we would love to express our love to. But sometimes we can't. Because of their behavior. There may may be a firewall of depravity that that we cannot hack into their hardened heart. We want to talk to them, we want to appeal to them, but right now they don't want to listen. In those times, our expressions of love are sabotaged, so we have to wait. I wonder if any of us are keeping God waiting. Is there unconfessed sin in our heart that encrypts his love so we cannot decipher it. God had always desired to demonstrate his love. He wants to do that to everyone. But so many are not willing. And yet, his love endures forever. And that's why true believers still celebrate the real meaning of christmas just think about it if those who lived in the old testament when salvation was a promissory note if they could celebrate god's love how much more are we able to appreciate it because we know that jesus paid it all salvation fully revealed and realized through jesus christ You see, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Wow, that is just unbelievable. But we do believe it because it's true. Father, we thank you so much for your love for the patience of your love, for the way that uh, you're willing to wait until we are ready to receive. And Lord, it's just unbelievable sometimes what we have to put you through. And yet you are so patient with us. Lord, we we really pray that uh, we would take this so seriously because For you to truly be at home in our hearts, we have to get rid of the sin. It just creates such a toxic environment. Our hearts can become enemy territory if we allow sin to thrive. Lord, forgive us and cleanse us. Do that daily so that you truly can be the Lord of our life. And Lord, thank you that you're still looking for Rahab. You're looking for those individuals who may be in the midst of extremely sinful environments, who may look hopeless, and yet you can see that there's an opportunity there. There's an openness there. And at the right moment, you'll make a way out. May you even use us to help find some of the people who are open to the gospel even this Christmas so they too can experience your love just the way we have. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.